have you ever shared something where um, you're, you know God's like put something on your heart to share with somebody or like speak at a Bible study or something like that and the whole week or the whole month God's having you live it out on like extra intense well that's been my last couple of times I've shared it's like last time I talked about hope and the entire week it was like God was teaching me on a deeper level just this like plowing in those deep trenches of hope and it was not easy and this week again the Lord's like all right here we go again and so um I feel like I'm sharing something that we've probably all heard a million times and I hope that the very least it would be a refresher for us of just oh yeah this is a good reminder and if that's all it is cool um for me I've had to live this this week on a level that just felt um So hopefully my pain is your gain. (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk about growing. Um, And so growth is one of those things where um, throughout the Bible, God talks about growth. In fact, when I was like starting to study, I was like, gosh, there's about 90 different places I could go where it talks about actual agriculture, like actual plant or trees or life that is growth in some ways. And so Um, that was a little bit daunting, but I really felt like the Lord kind of gave me some specific things, um, to speak about. And so, um, growth is one of those things that feels like it never happens when you want it to, and then it happens all at once, right? You don't, I mean, take a kid, for example, we're in like school trenches right now, and like one day, their, like, pants are cinched up so tight because they will fall straight down to their ankles otherwise. And the next day, <laughs> you have to loosen it. I mean, it feels like you wake up the next morning and you have to loosen it all the way to the tightest thing. And they're, like, high water, you know, capri pants now, right? And it shifts. It feels like in a moment. But the truth is they've been growing over an extended period of time, but it just felt like it happened suddenly. And that's something that is consistent when we think about growth. When you think about personal growth, when you sit down and you read a self-help book or you read something like that, what are you doing? You're trying to intentionally grow yourself in a specific way. You're, you're, you're setting your mind and your, even um, your heart to grow. But do you wake up the next morning and all of a sudden have achieved that growth? Not usually. (laughs) Usually that growth happens over the exercising of that new tool that you've learned through the book or whatever over an extended period of time. And so there's this tension of growth is a very unique thing because um, it requires discipline and it requires us to be committed to something without an immediate return. And you've heard me talk about this a million times. In an immediate culture, in a consumer culture, where we get what we want, we get our coffee. If we have to wait at a coffee shop more than five minutes for coffee, like we're kind of like, come on, guys, let's go. What's taking you so long, right? And there's this like, let's this hustle culture, right? And there's really, really beautiful, amazing things that we've been able to accomplish in that culture. But something that has kind of been lost in our culture is that consistent steady, long over time, sewing, putting in, 
letting, putting ourselves, committing ourselves to growth. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I think it's interesting because even when we think of things as affecting us immediately, they don't. And when you think about, I mean, I brought up the coffee, like waiting at a coffee shop, but think about even coffee. Like when you wake up in the morning, you roll out of bed. I don't know about you, but usually the first thought on my mind isn't an endless hallelujah like we sang tonight. It was like, get me to my coffee and then we'll talk to the Lord. Like then I'll have a conversation. And you know, the interesting thing is I don't get an immediate kick. I don't get an immediate, I don't swallow the coffee and immediately be like, oh, I'm ready. No, but what have I done? I've created a process and a routine of this is my pattern. This is what I, this is how I wake up in the morning. I am not a morning person. And so moving to Sunday mornings has been like a holy pursuit for me (laughs) because I love my morning rhythms. I love, we taught, we've taught our kids, like we keep the volume, which is a very difficult thing with four children, at a low roar for a very long time in the mornings. Because why? Because I've put a rhythm in place, and I've taught my children that rhythm to, to have a slow, steady morning. And I get to my coffee pot, and I turn it on, and it's slow, right? It's not this immediate, boom, I have the effects of caffeine pumping through my veins the second I think of it. There's a process to that growth. Um, not necessarily that if I've just made you a coffee addict, I'm very sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so we're going to look in Luke chapter 8 today, starting in verse 4. And it says, as they went from town to town, a lot of people joined in and traveled along. He addressed them using this story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Some of it fell on the road. It was trampled down and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell in the gravel. It sprouted but withered because it did not have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew with it and strangled it. The other seed fell in rich earth and produced a bumper crop. Are you listening to this? Really listening? The disciples asked, why did you tell this story? He said, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. There are others who who need stories, but even the stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are open, but don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but don't hear a thing. This story is about some of those people. The seed is the word of God. The seeds, sna- <laughs> the seed on the road um, are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. And the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but when the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it, they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. But the seed in the good earth These are the good hearts who seize the word of God and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. So I'm like, man, I could just read that scripture, and I feel like we probably all could sit here and have a full full hours-long discussion easily about the benefits and the good things out of that. I mean, whoa. But here are some of the thoughts that I had um, as I was studying this week. 
You know, it's interesting as a child, I heard this story so many times throughout my growing up. And for whatever reason, originally, I never thought of the sower as God. I always thought of the soil as God. And then, of course, as I read and actually paid attention to what I was hearing, I was like, it says at the very beginning that um, the seed is the word of God. And um, what I take from that is that the soil is our part. It's our job to tend the soil. And so my question today is, how's your dirt? (laughs) How's your dirt? What does your soil look like? Is it the path soil? It says that the, the, uh, the seed that fell along the path, the devil snatched it before they could receive it. And my question is, is as powerful people, right, we get to wake up and we get to make decisions every day. We get to decide um, what, what are we going to do with our day. Are we going to show up to work to get the paycheck? Are we going to be consistent in that part of our lives? Are we going to stay home and play hooky? Whatever we're going to do, we're going to choose, right? We have all of these thousands of decisions that we make every day that we're not even aware of. And that's us putting our power into play. And so as powerful people, what kind of soil are you? So the devil, it says, snatched the seed before they could receive it. Before they received it. It didn't say before they could receive it. Before before they received it. And I thought about that and I was like, you know, as a powerful person, if my heart is like you know, hard and like, um, like the soil on the path. It's not that I can't get it to a place where it could receive it. It's that I haven't tended my soil in the past to be at a place of receiving the word of God. And so in that space, is it the devil's fault that the seed, the word of God got snatched? Or is some of that responsibility on me? Because I haven't tended my soil. And I love, like, that everybody and their brother and sister showed up today, but especially, like, some of my farmers, some of my Midwesterners, like, um, and they could teach this, like, a billion times better with, like, way more depth. But I had to do a little bit of study. And I grew up as a daughter of a farmer, and so I know a little bit of this. But because I grew up in apartments and trailer courts my whole life, it wasn't, like, my everyday experience. And so um, I've had to do a little bit of research on that. But I just have the question... Where does the responsibility, if God is the one that sows the seed and we're in partnership with God, then we have to be the, one, the soil, right? And we get to choose with our power, how are we going to prep our soil to be ready when those words come? And so this is not, please hear my heart, this is not a condemnation message at all. It's just a, as we're beginning to think about growing ourselves, being the best that God has called us to be, making earth look like heaven in our little sphere of influence, we have to address the soil of our hearts and our spirits and really say, am I doing what I need to do to make sure I got rich soil? Or am I doing what I need to do um, in my daily life to get it prepared? So when the seed falls, when the sowing comes, that we're ready to receive it. And so it talks about the rocky soil, and it said, they receive the word with joy, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but after a time of testing, they fall away. 
The seed is the gravel, and those who hear it, hear it with enthusiasm. But it's only another fad. And the moment there's trouble, there's gone. And I, I, I just read a different version of it. But I love that because I feel like there's so many times in my life where I have been so excited about what God had done. There was seed sown. I heard the word, whether that was, excuse me, in a small group with my friends and really just had this gorgeous prayer time. But when the time came to walk it out, and it got tough, or I walked it out for, you know, like a week or something, and that was good, or I got some extra, like some really deep inner healing, but when the next time I felt bitterness, or the next time I felt resentment, did I hold on to the resentment, or did I hold on to the fact that there was healing seeds planted in me that were good seeds, and I'm retaining that, right, and so there's an opportunity here to kind of go into that rocky soil and make a choice. And I think part of that has to do, what are our daily habits? Like, I don't think we wake up one day and go, I'm going to be hard soil today and nothing's going to touch my heart. No. But over time, we can consistently reject what people say. Like, have you ever met a person who cannot receive a compliment? I used to be one of those people. Oh, thanks. It's from the thrift store. You know, or whatever. And I would kind of brush it off. And I had to be held accountable to that because they were like, do you understand? I'm trying to give you love. I'm trying to let you know you're being seen, but you're actually rejecting my love for you. And it was so interesting because I was like, oh, that feels like rocky soil, you know? All right, so the weedy soil, it said the words gets choked out of them because life gets busy, fun, hard, all the other things are made more important than growing the seed. It's all choking it out. And man, can I tell you, with four kids, I was like, I thought I knew what busy was. And it got up to level. <laughs> and you know, every day, not every day, but probably weekly, I asked the Lord, Lord, did I just... Did I just choose my husband above you today? Did I, did I put getting my coffee in the morning above, I don't know, listening to the word and just having a moment with you? Definitely some days, for sure. And, I mean, that's like little, little, tiny, zoomed-in space. But think about the things that we can do to either enrich our soil or to deplete our soil. Because good soil, what does it look like? I was going to have like this, you know, soil from my backyard, which is actually not soil, it's clay. And, <laughs> and soil from like a bag from Home Depot, you know? And like a good visual for you guys, and you're like, ah, sink your hands into this, and good luck getting your knuckle in there. Like, you know, because there's something beautiful and like you want to, I mean, I like getting my hands dirty and like digging in the garden and getting that when I'm dealing with rich soil. But when I'm having to sit there and just chisel away space for a hole or get that big old shovel, that's work, man. That's not, and the seeds won't grow. It doesn't matter what you do to it. You just got to add more good soil. And so in that space, there's an opportunity for us to really make sure that we're not allowing life to just choke out. And that's not a 
all of the sudden I'm just going to choose. It's like a moment-by-moment daily practice of being consistent in our life and choosing him. And then the rich soil, it says, was a bumper crop. And I had to look up what a bumper crop was. (laughs) I am sure that some of you could tell me, but um, it said that a bumper crop is a crop that is filled to the brim, filled to the bumper. They used to call, I learned this because I had to do some research on it, they used to call like a, the brim of a cup or the, yeah, the brim of a cup actually the bumper. And so um, when a silo is filled to the bumper, that's a bumper crop. It's filled to the brim. It's almost overflowing. In fact, sometimes they say it's... Um, it's a yield, so much of a yield that it's unexpected and they have no more room to put it. And I was like, now that's the kind of stuff I want in my life. Like I want, I want the effort that I put into my spiritual life and the walk with the Lord and the effort that I put into sowing good seeds into my children and the effort that I put into sowing good seeds into my marriage or partnering with God to let those seeds sink in, in those places, I want a hundredfold. I want a bumper crop. And it's so easy for us to be like, oh, well, a little of it sunk in, a little of it, but was it a bumper crop? And not to say that everything, I don't think you have to have a bumper crop to have a win. Does that make sense? For some of us, a bumper crop looks like the one seed that got in there, letting it grow. Do you know what happens when one good seed grows in, in rough soil? it actually prepares the soil to be a little bit better for the next seeds that are sown. It actually does that. And in, uh, it talks about it a little bit in um, Leviticus where it says um, to, to um, sow your seeds for six years and then on the seventh year take a rest to actually let the ground rest and to let everything there, like all of the stuff that comes up, you can eat it and you can harvest it but to let it, um, like, do nothing with it, and then they would go in and replow it. Why? Because all the mulch and all the foliage from all of that stuff that did not get harvested gets turned back over into the soil and actually provides nutrients. And so that was really cool. Um, Prepares the land for, for the good stuff. So I guess I've already covered this, but the main difference between the seed, it wasn't the quality of the seed that produced the bumper crop versus got stolen. It was the quality of the soil. And so my question is, what do we need to have good soil? Because I guess I'm making the assumption that we all want the seeds that God sows in our lives to be grown. Maybe that's a wrong assumption, but I'm going to assume it. And so when I was looking at the components of what good soil, what you need to have components of good soil, you need 25% air, 25% water, 45% minerals, and 5% organic matter. And I kind of took some time, and I think I got a little bit stuck here this week because I was like, okay, what is the air? What is the water? God, what is the spiritual significance of all of this? And God said, it's different for each person in this room. That that component 
some of us are going to need to really work this year or maybe the next several months or this next quarter on our physical health. A little bit more than we work on our spiritual health. Or some of us need to work on our community health. How do, do we, are we seen? Do people see us? When, when we get sick, does somebody else know? Can somebody just bring it, drop off chicken noodle soup? And so, I mean, we don't always need to be like super, but are you seen? Do people know when you're not around? Do people know what's going on in your life when stuff gets hard? Maybe you need to so, so like work on fertilizing your soil in community. Some of us need to really dig into the word of God. And I shared this with you guys last week. Like the Lord's just like, yeah, you got good stuff. But it's time to replenish the soil from the perspective of my word. That that needs to be the first thing for me. And it's not always the first thing. I love listening to podcasts and other people's perspective and deciding whether I agree or disagree with them and to all that. That's good stuff and not that's not wrong. I love being in community. You can ask my friends. I'll talk to you all night long. That's easy for me. What's harder for me and what I need to work on is I need to fold in some of those places and fertilize my spirit with the word of God and let that be enriched from a deeper perspective. So today, one of the questions I want us to ask is, what is God asking you? Where's the invitation today? What, what is he asking you today to fold in to start nourishing your soil a little bit? Soil is important because it's what agitates and breaks open the seed. It says in uh, John, I think, 12, that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a seed. But if it dies, if it falls to the ground and dies, it comes back here. I'm going to read it. I really hope it came up. It didn't. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, Jesus said, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. And I really love that um, because um, back in Luke 8 where we were reading about the sower, um, one of the translations said, instead of a bumper crop, it said, um, it produced a crop a hundredfold. And when I looked into a hundredfold, I was like, I guess I've always assumed that that just meant you get 100% back what you sowed, right? So if you sowed 100 seeds, you get 100 plants. But when you actually think about wheat and you think about a grain, one grain of wheat, one plant or one stalk of wheat grows out of the ground, and Brittany, please correct me if I'm wrong, but within that one stalk of wheat, you actually have a cluster full of many of those grains. Am I right? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> in that space, what does a hundredfold crop look like? It means you sow a hundred seeds, and you get a hundred stalks of full-grown, beautiful wheat clusters, batches, you know? And each one of those has however many grains of wheat in addition to that. That would be more than, right, what you sowed. It would be actually a hundred more than what you had sowed. So that's really cool because I'm like, is that double? 
<laughs> it could be. Am I wrong? Could it be double of what you sowed-ish? Or more. Double or more. That's what a bumper crop is. Now, when I think about the hard work of my daily life and folding in my soil and trying to bring nourishment and make, make my life a place that can host God's word well and host the seed that God has put in me, those healing seeds, those, um, I mean, right? I mean, whatever those seeds are, you guys know, and pr- probably right now, Holy Spirit's talking to you about the different seeds he's sowing into your life. When I think about the hard that it takes to daily commit myself to whatever he's calling me to do, that feels really worth it when it comes to a hundredfold harvest. Now, the hard part is I don't have control of all of that. I have control over one thing. It's me. It's what I do in my daily. And so the invitation to us is, How do we become the kind of soil that agitates, that works, that gnaws on that seed, that helps that seed die to break it down, to get agitated so it breaks open and it can actually take root in our lives and grow, right? So I was thinking about people in the Bible who were either examples of good soil or not good soil or just anything, and I was like, oh, there was probably a good five or ten people that I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, but you know, I, you guys know this about me, I like to do it a little different, (laughs) and so the one that I, that came to mind was Solomon, and there's a lot of speculation about Solomon's life, but we do know that he was the son who um, inherited the throne from King David, We also know that he was Bathsheba's son. So he was the son of an affair, which is interesting that he was the one chosen. I always was like, I want to have a conversation about who decided that he, because obviously there were other sons already born. So what made him be the one that was chosen to be the king? But um, there's a lot of speculation about, I mean, we know that Solomon wrote Proverbs. But what we, scholars, some scholars believe that Solomon was taught these proverbs that these were just um, like verbal stories passed on within their culture and that he wrote them down. And that he was probably taught many of these proverbs from his mother um, as a young boy. And so um, if you read the story of Bathsheba and David, there was a full repentance and a full turnaround from um, from. David's decision um, with Bathsheba in the beginning. And so I think it's really beautiful because I feel like it's a perfect story of redemption because, man, David made a mess. He killed a guy. Like, it was messy. But it was so beautiful because what happened? God gave them kind of a do-over, a full do-over with Solomon. And the baby that she was pregnant with died, but Solomon came and he got um, kind of a do-over. Anyway, and so it says in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And I just love that because I think I can completely see myself sitting with my kids around my table saying, All right, guys, listen, 
I have something to teach you. This is important for you to know. And all over Proverbs, we hear this kind of language, kind of a mother talking to her son or a father talking to his son and imparting understanding and imparting wisdom. So I am deducing that Solomon started with good soil. And what do we see? The first thing he does when he takes the kingship is he takes on the legacy, his father's dream to honor God with the temple, and he starts sacrificing to him and honoring God, and then he immediately starts building the temple and preparing, and um, it talks that, uh, I I think it's Kings, where it talks about how Solomon took so many years to build the temple, and he was so like that was his number one focus his number one goal and it talks about how he God met with him and spoke to him and said you can have what you want and he said I want wisdom and God gave him wisdom I'm saying there's some good soil there he had a good start if you continue reading it kind of goes downhill from there (laughs) and it gets real messy again and we see him um, really being pulled away by his wives into serving other gods and we see him really his heart being torn by what the people in his life want versus what God wants and what he's called to and it's it's a really interesting story because what do we see? We see him sowing his soil and doing a good job, and he had rich soil. He was taught all these good things as a child. He took on that legacy. He saw the completion of the temple. He brought prosperity to his country. In fact, they said it was probably the most like um, prosperous monarchy um, that Israel ever experienced. And that was incredible, and it was so beautiful, and I don't want to discount that. But what I'm trying to say is somewhere in there, he didn't maintain. And the weeds, I suspect the other distractions, the longings of the, the, the women around him, those things pulled his affection and his attention from his God. And over time, I don't think it happened immediately. In fact, I think it happened over a long, drawn-out time. His devotion to the Lord was depleted. His soil was depleted. And the good things that God was putting in his heart, it doesn't say that he stopped sacrificing to God. It says his attention got divided and he started sacrificing to other gods. And I just, man, I felt that as a warning in my life of like, my attention can get divided in so many ways and not because we don't have redemption, we don't have grace, we don't have an opportunity for a do-over. Solomon's life was the perfect picture of a (laughs) do-over. And it was beautiful, but at some point he stopped choosing to intentionally enrich his soil and fertilize it and grow it and make sure it was the best and it couldn't retain the water and it couldn't retain the seed and it couldn't help it grow and he got stunted and he got to this point where he said everything in life is meaningless it's a chase after the wind and yeah we can say oh there's wisdom in that and there's I'm not discounting wisdom in that. But what I'm saying is, you're right. It is meaningless unless there is sowing and reaping. Unless there is a harvest. And we will not always see that growth immediately. In fact, we will almost never see immediate growth. 
And the times that we do, praise the Lord for that, man. Thank you, God, for every once in a while we see immediate growth or an immediate on-the-spot miracle. Heck yes, I'll claim that. But the times that we're standing in the gap asking God to heal somebody for cancer over years, is that any better or more beautiful than an immediate day of healing? I don't know. I actually think it might be more beautiful because of the endurance, because of the commitment, because of the devotion. And so today, as I'm wrapping up, I just really sense the Lord was um, giving all of us an invitation. Some of us, and I want us to just close our eyes right now and really have a conversation with the Lord. Some of us, he's inviting right now to soften our hearts because we've just become hardened. And we may be hardened from the pain in our marriage or the pain in our family of past pains and past things that are kind of re-coming up or re-triggered in our lives. And if that's, that's you, I want you to ask the Lord to give you a new heart. Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. Some of us have an invitation this morning to, we have, we have good seed growing in our soil, but our soil needs to be enriched. It needs to be deepened so that our roots can grow deeper. Some of us, I think this is in that same category, we are given an invitation right now to cling to the seeds that are sown. And I think right now that God is bringing to mind those promises. Maybe from when you were a little kid, you were prophesied over by somebody randomly at church. Or maybe God just spoke to you one day and put a dream in your heart while you were doing the dishes. And there's just something in you. And the invitation this morning is to cling to that and allow your soil to become enriched with his promises because that's his word. And to allow that to let those roots go a little deeper. We have an invitation today for some of us to make the important things in our life take second to the most important thing to not let those weeds drown out and starve out what God's doing in us, to make space for him. Just even right now, do you guys feel the delight here from Daddy God of just a sense of like, yeah, space, so good so good and some of us may feel like we have rich soil it's it's doing all right seeds are growing we're receiving a harvest but there's an invitation here to continue to infuse our soil with good things to check the balance maybe it's 
pretty good balance, but God's inviting us to a balance of a little bit more community or a little bit more time in his presence or a little bit more. And we just need to adjust the balance of our soil so we can have that bumper crop, an unusually full harvest. So God, right now, I ask that whatever season we're in, and I, I know I'm in multiple of those places. There's parts of my heart that are like a path. I just need you to come in there and plow that up and put in like an infusion of good soil. God, some of us have just been allowing, I don't know, whatever it is, the gravel of our lives to just make it hard for those seeds to take root. Lord, some of us have been in that place where just the busyness of life, the funness of life, the entertainment and the convenience of not seeking after you on the daily to just drown out what you're doing. God, would you forgive us for not making your words the most important in our lives? And Lord, for those of us who have a pretty good thing going on, I pray, God, that you would help us to balance that soil, to hear what we need to do from you and adjust it, God. Thank you for this, this word this morning, God. Would it produce a bumper crop in us? Amen.